Section 18 of the Seven Lively Arts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Seven Lively Arts by Gilbert Seldes. St. Simeon Stylites. The most sophisticated of the minor arts in America is that of the calumest. It is, except for occasional lapses into the usual journalistic disrespect for privacy, a decent art, and if it never rises to the polish and wit of such an outstanding calumest as La Fouchardière of L'Oeuvre, it never sinks to the pretentious pseudo-intelligent vulgarity of the english counterpart the calumest is to begin with a newspaper humorist and there are times when questions of art and letters are discussed when one wishes he had remained one phillips who is now with the sun and globe in new york sticks to his game manfully he tells nothing about himself discusses no plays and his column which he illustrates with grotesque little drawings is self-contained you do not have to be in the secret to read him his usual manner is to take a notable or obscure item of news and play with it in the manner of mark twain when ambassador harvey made a speech on the topic have women souls phillips reported the proceedings and the aftermath latest bulletins from europe and asia on the conduct of other american diplomats follow warren g harding president united states excellency american ambassador here has brought about grave crisis by speech are bananas a fruit or a flower and can fresh roasted peanuts think understand he has stated publicly his opinion that john mccormick is greater singer than caruso people are near uprising will you recall him or shall we give him the bum's rush king of italy and so on it is horseplay but when he is in form it achieves a wild carelessness and gaiety which the intellectual calumest entirely forswears he has for compere arthur bugs bear by all odds the funniest of the calumests and a too much neglected creator of american humour there is also a considerable number of calumests of the phillips type in other cities i make no apology for not knowing them for a column correctly conceived as written for the readers of its paper it ought to be partly private and wholly provincial even mencken when he ran the column of the baltimore sun and gathered much material for the american language and told of each new consignment of german beer after the bacchae began in nineteen fifteen even he was not all things to all men the last man who kept his collium balanced between the high and low comic touch was bert leston taylor he was a very wise and humane person wise and humane enough to appreciate and to publish fun of a sort differing by much from the humour he created there was something unnervingly oblique in his vision of the world perfectly illustrated by the captions he wrote for clippings from rustic journals he would take an item our popular telegraphist frank dane had a son presented to him last week frank says he is going to stay home nights hereafter and write over how the days are drawing in there was nothing incongruous 
in the appearance side by side of his own expert parodies and the horseplay humor of some of his contributors taylor's touch made everything light everything right in his house there were indeed many mansions after him before his death even the colyumists divided and went separate ways the chicago tribune continues the field taylor tradition indifferently well rick of the chicago evening post comes near the golden mean but his own character as a colyumist is jeopardized by his contributors when he gets a good theme such as the necessity for keeping the seam of a stocking straight he can be counted on calverly indicated his difficulty or almost themes are so scarce in this world of ours the colyumists are sophisticated or faux naif or actually naif of the first of pa of the new york world is the most notable and baird leopard of the morning telegraph the best of pa has all the virtues of the colyumist in the highest degree unfortunately he has almost all the faults in nearly the same measure he is a defeated calverly writing the best light verse in america and the best parodies in verse his persicosodi one of several published on the quarterly nineteen ten seems to me better than fields which had the lines and as for roses holy moses they can't be got at living prices adams as i recall it ran the pomp of the persian i hold in aversion i hate all their gingerbread tricks their garlicky wreathings and lindeny tree things nicks boy us for plain myrtle while under this fertile old grapevine myself i protrude for your old bibacacious quintin horatius stew and his treatment of the same poem according to service is perfect parody algernon st john brennan used to quarrel magisterially with adams about latin quantities but he could never undermine adams feeling for the ease and urbanity of horace and adams isn't in the business of preserving the tradition of dignity his trick verse is not exceptional he has no dobsonian feeling for form in prose parody he is a duffer his own prose has the one essential quality for wit it is not diffuse his actual character is that of a civilized man who cannot be imposed upon by the bunk and as he is fairly independent he recognizes fate in the world of politics business and society wherever it occurs this is what prevents him from being a good radical type hayward broom other things in his nature keep him from the insolence of martyrdom and what makes his work sympathetic to mature and disillusioned minds his exceptional good sense he seems to have no sensibility makes stupidity an irritation to him he follows half of the biblical precept and does not suffer fools gladly the habit of pontificating has grown on him and from expressing himself with justifiable arrogance on minor matters he has proceeded to speak with assurance on manners art and letters it would be more accurate to say that he speaks without the humility becoming to one who for many months boosted w b maxwell in opposition to joseph conrad he hasn't essentially any idea of his great influence for if he knew that a vast number of semi-intelligent people were guided by him he would not so rapidly praise and damn or praise with faint dams if i may quote another collium he is the most exasperating of colliumists and his triviality when confronted by things he does not understand and thinking of his comment on the wasteland is appalling yet this same quality is what makes him precious he is a gadfly to an exceptionally sluggish beast the new york intellectual 
he has inevitably become the patron saint of the smart at any rate he has done something to destroy the tradition that what is witty is unsound it is only when he is serious that he becomes a little ridiculous i quarrel as much with baird leonard's judgment on art and letters but i am not irritated because miss leonard who writes for a paper devoted to horse-racing and the theatre is almost always willing to indicate the path by which she arrives at her discriminations she hasn't f b a s weak fear of the common and her own mind is as far removed as his from the commonplace it has movements of grace and lightness and her humour is smooth and wholly urban too often for me she fills her column with bridge-table talk a sardonic report of fake intellectualism done with vigour and ferocity but hampered by the framework which is not adaptable i do not at this moment recall a line she has written i recall the tone of her whole work it is unaffected not self-conscious brightly aware of everything keen and curious and always on the alert if the stage were what it seems from out in front miss leonard would be well placed on a theatrical paper she is writing for people wise enough to know the place of wit adams i fear is beginning to write for people witty enough and no more to despise wisdom the creator of an american legend i quote from the advertisements is certainly a wise man don marquis who now writes his column alone has always had a good second-rate talent for verse and a good first-rate understanding of humanity it is the second quality which makes him appreciate the memoirs of william butler yeats and helps him create the old soak here's richness it was right for him to make an entire second act of, of that play an ode to hard liquor with lyric interludes about the parrot for he is on the side of humanity against the devils and angels alike hard liquor loafing decency are his gods and he fights grimly with a tendency to see the devil in modern art he is against a great many american fetishes a sufficiency in y m c a morality and getting on and he has a strong persistent sentiment for common and simple things all of these together would not make him a good columnist without some expressive gift he has enough to render his most endearing qualities fully and beyond them he has at times a bitterness which drives him to write like swift in a fantasy which creates archie and captain fitzurse and these also are parts of his wisdom christopher morley like rolla not however rollo has come too late into a world too old and daily dreams himself back into the time when a gentle essayist was the noblest man of letters and william mcfee a great novelist his latest work is bound in gissing blue leather is admired by hayward broon and has been compared to nearly everything except the four gospels little children should not be permitted to read his column in the new york evening post for it is a sort of literary boy scoutism and very wrong it has recently ceased to exist the influence of the daily column is so great that by this time a goodly portion of the literary criticism or book reviewing appears in that form keith preston is partly columnist partly literary critic estimable if not always just in both departments and a writer of excellent verse of the literary columnists brune is the most interesting case he has a peculiar mind apt to find a trifling detail the clue to too many great things he has a great sense for the pompous and the pretentious he is actually a humorist when he lets go but a strange thing has happened to him while he was acquiring a reputation as arbiter of taste in new york by putting down his simple feelings about books and other things he was slowly becoming 
aware of the existence of the intellect it was borne in upon him as i believe the phrase is that a work of art is the product of an intellect working upon materials provided by a sensibility the discovery unnerved him i might almost say deflowered for brune has lost his native innocence he is a little frightened by the hard young men who sudden let loose the jargon of aesthetics of philosophy of the intellect in general and what is worse he thinks that they may not be bluffing he has gone manfully to work but the middle distance is dangerous it is likely to produce more dicta like his notorious dismissal of rhythmic prose by a reference to verse rhythms in prose his characteristic statement is however apropos of a flying catch by aaron ward of which brune said that no book had ever so affected him with the sense that the humanly impossible had been accomplished he seems to wonder now whether discovering the mind will ever console him if he loses the catch whether being an amiable intelligent courageous radical humorist with sufficient taste to dislike the third-rate and a jocular respect for the first-rate whether all this isn't enough and all the while the young men of three nations are giving him to believe that the really new movement is going to be intellectual in the moment of hesitation he does one thing which may save him slowly renouncing literature he digs into his humour and works it hard he or it will be exhausted presently when that happens he will be out of the woods on either side but i doubt whether brune ever was as simple as bugs bear his is called roughneck humour for all i care the truth is that bear is one of the few people writing for the newspapers who have a distinct style k c b has a form which becomes a formula it is exasperating to read it one continues as one continues to read the bull durham signs along a railroad track bear writes like the speech of falstaff and his companions with a rowdy exaggeration his comparisons are far-fetched his conceptions utterly fantastic his daily commentaries on sport are concise and entertaining his best work occurs there but in the family album a sunday feature of the hearst papers he succeeds despite the subject and the length in communicating his peculiar quality it is mingled with banalities like he was hunting quail on toast up in canada but you also get so he felt better and met a friend of his and they skipped the eighteenth amendment a couple of times and uncle came home and challenged pop to anything pop wanted to know what and uncle said anything at all there ain't one thing that you can do that i can't do better than you he kept up his anonymous boasting and pop said to mom your escape brother's loose again that's him he takes one drink of that radio liquor and he starts broadcasting uncle said i'll broadcast you for a row of weather-beaten canal boats i'm mad and hungry i'm as hot and hollow as a stovepipe mom said to pop don't turn abimelech away hungry what does the good book say about pop said oh that's been vetoed by the president there follows what he calls another quaint tribal quarrel in which pop laughed a whole octave above sarcastic and mom said stop that debate before i take the negative everything of bugs bear is foreshortened he is elliptical omits the middle step his language is syncopation his points of reference are all in the common life i don't suppose that he has ever touched a book or a play in his column for all that he impresses me as a naturally subtle spirit i may be wrong he is certainly a joyful one end of section eighteen